I think they were kind of shocked that, you know, this is what I'm looking for and not like I was this person begging for the job or answering all the questions the way that they wanted. I had, I was just like, this is what I'm looking for in a position, in a company, in a company culture. And I honestly think that was what sealed it for me. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that is unapologetically you and then go get it. If you feel like you were meant for more and you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. One of the biggest obstacles when making a career change to more meaningful work is lack of time and energy. How do you find the time to make a change if you have a full-time job, a partner, children, a social life? If you're like many people at this stage of their career and you're trying to juggle all of these commitments on top of making a career change, the solution is not only allocating the appropriate time and resources, but also setting the other people in your life up for success so that they can support you. At HTYC, we do this by using what we call a master schedule. This tool forces you to intentionally decide what your average week looks like and needs to look like so that you can successfully focus on career change. Think about it as a budget for your time. It also gives you the language and visuals to explain the support you'll need to your partner. She was all into this process because she saw firsthand how miserable I was up through. And she was actually one that kind of pushed me off that ledge to finally make the decision. But I think the conversations were, who's going to do what, carry what responsibilities for, for, for the week? And what activities were I am going to give up and she's going to like pick up and, and then vice versa. That's Scott Ingham. Scott had built a great career in medical sales, working for the same type of role for 18 years. Over the years, Scott began to realize he wasn't as excited about his job as he had once been. He was no longer being challenged, and he just knew there had to be more out there. Scott felt he might be too late in his career journey to make a change, but he overcame those limiting beliefs and ultimately landed a role that he is incredibly excited about. Scott talks in detail about how he set himself up and his entire family up for success using HTYC's master schedule, but also how he worked with his partner to manage what was going on throughout the week every single week. He also discusses how he beat out more qualified candidates by simply knowing exactly what he wanted in his new role and being able to articulate that and ask for it during the interview process. Here's Scott explaining the early influences of his career journey. I grew up in upstate New York and I went to school for accounting and really I didn't know what accountants did or anything at at that point in time. I had a brother-in-law that was a director of finance and just hearing little bits of stuff from from him around the dinner table. I was like, yeah, I, I think I'd like that job. So I went and got an undergrad in accounting and then got out and worked as an accountant doing securities exchange, commission reports, uh, producing financials for a very large utility company. I did that for about six years. And at the end of my sixth year, 
I was looking around at people and I was like looking, everyone was always at their desk, bright and early in the morning at seven and left at seven at night. And I, I started to have kids at that point, my first son, Ethan, and all these guys were missing their kids' sporting events. And yeah. They seem to be really miserable in their jobs. And I thought to myself, there's got to be something better than this. And uh, a lot of people at the time that I was working with, fellow accountants, they were just like, gosh, your personality doesn't go with your very bubbly, outgoing person. And it doesn't really go with accounting. I started to think about it. And I had a friend that was in pharmaceutical sales at that time. And I went on a a job shadow with them. And I was like, gosh, this sounds pretty cool. I like it. It kept up with, I had to know numbers. So there was a little bit of thinking involved in it, business analysis, which I did on a daily basis, but I got to interact with people. And so I jumped into that business 18 years ago, selling, launching different products. I think I'd launched eight different products across different therapeutic areas. And I knew after, I don't know, after about 10, about 15 years, I was just like, gosh, this is getting really boring mundane. There's got to be something else out there. And I just didn't know what that was. And I was right in the thick of throes of where my kids were in elementary and middle school. And so I just kept working and raising a family and paying the bills. But I knew there was a burning thing where I wanted to do something different. And I didn't know exactly what that, what that was. Let me ask you about that. I think what's really interesting to me is I heard you use the same verbiage to apply mm-hmm. you know, the first time when you went from accounting, you had this feeling of, Hey, there's, there's gotta be something else out there. And then yeah. as you started to get bored later on, you had that same sort of, or at least used the same sort of verbiage to apply to it. So what was different for you the first time you felt that versus this much more recent time? What was the same? What was different? I think there was, I had a lot of experience underneath my belt. So I kind of knew what I didn't want. So I knew I didn't want to go back into the accounting field. I knew I didn't want to be stuck in a cubicle all day. I wanted the ability to both work out of the house, but then also go and visit clients or customers, being able to, to help people. And the job I was doing for the 18 years, it while we, we were launching products and calling on, on different customers, it was exciting. But then after a while, it was the same thing over over and over again with that customer. When you say the same thing over and over again, is that the part that started to get boring for you or was it something yeah. else? Yeah, it started to become really the, the same thing day in and day yeah. day out. And so I had friends that were in the business and they would move every few years. And I was always kind of wondering how they just kind of kept up that level of energy. And it's because they just kept changing the therapeutic areas that they were in and they were learning new products every time. So they were challenging themselves. So it started to become less challenging mm. as, as time went on. I think that's such an important thing that honestly doesn't, really get talked about very frequently, mm-hmm. at least not in media and certainly not in, shoot, even, even we don't talk about it that often in our own podcast. And that's a, that's a big part of what we find behind the scenes as we're working with people where, you know, wow, this has become less challenging in the ways that have been good for me in the past. And now that that's gone, 
it, it dissolves some of the some of the good parts about the opportunity. Yeah, it, it really does. I think that stigma is still out there. Where, like, when I left my accounting job, yeah. that company at that time was a very sought after job, and most people that started in there, they started and they put their thirty years in, and then they were done and they walked out the door, and. I, I wasn't like that. I think a lot of people were like thinking I was crazy because I left and I totally did a 180 and changed industries. I mean, yeah. something totally different than my career. And then I started this and the same thing happened after putting 18 years into my previous company and telling people I left. They they thought I was kidding when I was saying I was leaving <laughs> and, and starting. And it, it was interesting because most of the, most of the responses I got were people were making excuses for why they were staying in the role they were staying, which indicated to me that they were unhappy with what they're doing, but unwilling to make that change. And so it does take a lot of effort to do that. There's, there's no doubt about that. Fascinating Ooh. that you bring that up. I I want to ask you about that for just a second, because I found that in other areas too, where you sharing something like that, because it's the latest news, hey, I'm I'm no longer going to be here and I'm moving on to something else and sharing that. And people are interpreting it through their lens, their own personal lens, mm-hmm. and how they respond indicates sometimes very clearly how they feel about that or how or how they think that they should feel about that too. Here's the question I have for you. When when you would encounter that, and it sounds like you encountered it much more than once, what advice would you give to somebody who is making a change that is seeing those types of responses and they're experiencing those? Because sometimes it doesn't feel that great to be in those conversations. No, it doesn't. It makes you really like second guess yourself. When I first made that change, I think I was early 20s. I didn't really care what people thought of me. And I just went and did it. As I got older, more mature, I'm like, it made me really second guess myself and and what I'm doing. But working with Philip and through that process, he kind of like retrained my brain into saying like, this is your path. Your path is super unique. And who cares what anyone else is saying? Like people change at all different points and stages in their lives for their, for their own reasons. That's, I guess that's part one. The part two is really I validated that what I was doing was to me the, the, the correct thing because in the back of my mind, I was always like, I, I need to make this change. I need to make it in that I didn't want to be that person making excuses just to make it to the end of the finish line when it, whenever that would be. I didn't want to go down like that. I wanted to be swinging and make that change. I did not want to exit out of whatever working years I have left and second guess myself and be like, why didn't I make that change? So that's interesting. It sounds like at some point along the way, it became a point of validation or a, yup, this is working for you as you would hear those types mm-hmm. of responses. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really does. And part of the pro the, the career process when we're going out and we're interviewing, you know, doing like not mock interviews, I was information gathering and stuff. I still got that. A lot of people are like, you're really leaving after that much time there. But then other people are 
it was a very few minority were cheering me on to say, that's awesome. You're doing that. And then they would share a little bit about what they do. Well, let's, let's go back and let's talk about that here for just a, just Mm -hmm. a couple of minutes. So what, what happened along the way that finally prompted you to say, nope, this, this must happen. This, this has to happen. I'm committing to, to making this change for me, for myself. I think I just got finally sick and tired of dragging my feet. And I was, there wasn't really a point in time, you know, a specific moment. I think I, I just was like, I got to do this. It's either now or never to, to, to do this. And whatever happens, happens. And we'll, we'll go from there. But I, I at least wanted to go down trying. I think many of us out there who are not happy with our jobs and it's so much easier just to continue doing what we're doing versus this is the big scary thing. And I, I dragged this process on longer than it really shouldn't happen. And to be honest, I should have done it a long, long time ago. I dragged my feet, but I'm an overthinker. That's, that's fair. You're in good company, myself included. So let's talk about that, that clarity and how that happened. When you think about, you know, once you made the decision to, hey, I'm, I'm going through the career change process, I need to do this for myself. What were some of the most challenging parts for you? For me, it was, I'll be honest, it was the time management of it because I was working quite a few hours yeah. at work, obviously, uh, family obligations. Okay. So I, ha- I sat down with Philip and we did this schedule. It was really blocking off time. One of the things I had to readjust is my mindset on that. I thought I had to spend these huge blocks of time in order to get stuff done versus getting up you know, a half hour early in the morning and doing 45 minutes before I went to work. And then in the evening doing 45 minutes then versus, oh, I need to spend two and a half hours every day at at night. And that's just not the case. It was just taking little chunks of time. And so that's the process for me. It might've been a little bit longer than what what others encountered and, and everyone's different. How did you make those small chunks of time work for you? I found it slightly different for everyone in terms of what they're mm-hmm. going through, what time availability they already have, what time they need to make to make a wonderful career change for themselves. But it also almost requires different different ways to make it work for you. So what did you find allowed you to make those small chunks work? It, it was really setting that time aside and having the outline for what we mutually decided on what was going to be accomplished by the next time we met. So that it looks inundated at first when you first get into it, but that's, that's what helped me out a lot in really prioritizing. Like I shut off my phone. There was no disturbances at all. I made sure that if that was going to be 45 minutes, that was going to be 45 minutes of uninterrupted time. And that was something where I, my wife and I, we kind of look at the schedule for the week and she would have to take the kids to certain things for me in order for me to have that time to, to, to work on it. And since being a family guy and I'm, I'm always involved in my family's activities, there was some times where I had to switch stuff around if like a sporting event got changed yeah. and I had to be flexible with it. What kind of conversations were you and your wife having about that, about like the time that it's going to take? 
I think we were, she was all into this process because she saw firsthand how like miserable I was up through. And yeah. she was actually one that kind of also pushed me off that ledge to finally make the decision. But I think the conversations were who's going to do what, carry what responsibilities for, for, for the week and what activities were I am going to give up and she's going to like pick up and, and then vice versa. Because mm-hmm. I didn't want, I knew this was going to be a time consuming process and, and going to be over a few months. And so we had to both be in agreement of how much she could take on with her job because we both work and what activities that I was going to, to give up in order to do it. I think that's something a lot of people don't think about when they're thinking about making making a career change is how to, you said gain agreement. I would go even a step further and say that part of what you were doing was setting the other people up in your life that also need to be invested in this up for success so that they could, in fact, support the process. Having gone through that and having semi-recently completed that career change process for yourself, what advice would you give to other people about how to get others on board and how to help them successfully support you? My wife and I had a specified time that we sat down and we would basically plan out our schedule for the week. We didn't never did it for like two weeks or a month or anything like that. We were only looking at the, the week ahead and we would sit down on a Sunday morning and plan out what I'm going to be doing and where the time is going to be needed to do this, this process. Is that something that you did prior to this? Had you and your wife ever sat down on a regular basis like that? Or was that specifically for this? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, it was more like, no, we did not answer it. So this was something that actually was really good for, for us moving forward to even after this process is that it was more haphazard of who's going to take someone where yeah. to what sporting event and, and, and stuff like that. It was, we were more of a, maybe like reactive and if we could fit it in, we'll fit it in. And if not, not. So we definitely, it started for us to plan out our time better. And at the beginning of this whole process is interesting is I filled out this schedule and, and I did it. And then it, it didn't work. And so I sat down with Philip and he really helped me coach through it and really how to utilize that schedule to the best and to bring my wife into the process of it. And that made things a lot smoother. I think if anyone is going to do this, is, is that's the first piece that you need to get right in order to have long-term success with it. Because if you don't do that piece right off the bat, then it's going to be it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be hard to do it. <laughs> Got to get the other people in your life on board and on the same yeah. page. It's a great tool to have, and we're definitely continuing to 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 utilize it. It makes life so much easier. Totally different train of thought here. Totally different question. This idea that once you get so old that you just you can't change. It's game over. Like there's. Talk to me a little bit about what you came into this thinking about as it related to age and then how your thinking evolved along the way. Yeah. So when I first came in, my my thought process was that I had X amount of runway left in that whatever change I made, I need to make it 
the the right one and the very last one. I was like putting a my toe in the sand, creating that line saying, I gotta make it by X amount of time <laughs> and it's gotta be perfect. That is the wrong way to think. And I think I was carrying on the old mentality of you don't switch jobs, you know, very much unless you maybe get realigned out the door. And so I carried that kind of with me at the beginning of this process. And that is the wrong way to think. And now is it everyone that's that's doing it out in society? I don't know. I think there's more people than what I knew that were making these career changes later in life. And some of them were making complete career pivots, which was reassuring to me. And that slowly helped me change my mind. And there was different modules through the course too that where you write out your skill sets. And I thought, wait a second, these skills can be transferred anywhere. It's crazy. (laughs) It's absolutely crazy. I'm like, I thought I was like a one trick pony. I'm like, I have a lot of skills that 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 could be utilized with a finance background and in a sales background and and help building sales teams. I was like, I could I could do a lot of different things that were were out there. So that 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 really changed my my perspective on that I could make a career change later in life. With that different line of thinking, how did that change or impact your your change process? Yeah, it added fuel to it and it gave me hope that I could actually do something after being stuck in a career for, for 18 years that that I actually could look at different industries, different careers and, and actually apply to, to those jobs. So it opened my eyes that there's more opportunities than what I thought. Because prior to going through half a year to career, I tried to do that on my own and I did one of the worst things you could probably do is comb through LinkedIn and look at job titles and descriptions and stuff. And that was probably the worst thing to do because it created more confusion and it created a lot of disappointment because everything I read, I was like, oh, I'm not qualified for that. I'm not qualified (laughs) for that. I'm not qualified for that. Well, if the goal is to be confused and depressed, it's highly (laughs) effective at that. It's highly (laughs) effective. It it, it was. It was. So in every single person's process, we acknowledge all the time on this show that it's, it's different. It's very different from one person to the next. The milestones are similar, but it's very different in actuality for what one person is doing and what works for one person compared to the next. So my question is, when you look back on this process and you said, here are the few things that worked really well for me, what were those? And take me through some of them. Take me through the nitty gritty on some of those pieces. Well, I think one of the processes was basically writing down what I thought I was good at and diving deep into that and obviously utilizing strength finder and that opened up my eyes with it. I, I, I feel like by having Philip there with me and in, in going through the, the, the material and having him as a coach, he really opened up my eyes on a, just the hope that I could actually do something different than what I'm doing. Or maybe I could do the same thing, but just in a different therapeutic area. And so he kind of, it gave me the, I guess, the courage to, and the confidence, that's a more appropriate word, that I could make this change happen. How did all of the pieces that we've talked about now, because we've covered some really 
wonderful parts in terms of breaking down the skills and experiences, mm-hmm. uh, understanding your strengths, being able to reframe how you thought about what was possible for you, working with another person like a coach, all of these parts added up for sure. But the other piece that we haven't talked about is what are the other steps that led up to you being able to accept this new opportunity that you're in now? Yeah, I think it was in the reaching out phase. And that was another challenge for me because I kind of had to set my ego aside a little bit and uh, reach out to people and ask them what they did doing these like informal interviews. And I felt like a little bit like, gosh, I've been in this industry and I'm doing this and I'm going to change now. And, and after I did it one, two times, I started to do it like crazy. And people at the gym be like, Hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee? And just kind of curious, I'm in the middle of a career transition, just kind of curious what you do. And people were surprisingly willing to do that and take five, 10 minutes out of their time. And letting people know and talking to people about what I was doing led me to where I'm at now, because it was someone where that knew someone that was hiring for for this role. It's it's still in the medical industry. It's just a totally different therapeutic area and a lot smaller company, a lot less red tape, and people know you. And so I was basically just doing an interview and just kind of practicing and just kind of getting to know the the, the company a little bit and to know the position and one interview led to the next the led to the next and i think my my ability to just be curious about the position and obviously my skill set that sometimes i feel like doesn't have a lot of weight had a lot of weight with this particular spot and so i was awarded this spot where there was people with many 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 more years of experience than what i had in this certain area that didn't get awarded the position. After now being there and being able to mm-hmm. interact with the people that made the choice to bring you on board, what do yeah. you believe were the differences? Why they chose to hire you versus potentially those other people with, as you said, much more experience? Yeah. I think what it was is when one of the exercises, I don't remember which one it was, we're writing down exactly what I want, almost like the, the it was like the ideal career day. Yeah, There was bits and pieces that came out of that. And I think they were kind of shocked that, you know, this is what I'm looking for. And not like I was this person begging for the job or answering all the questions the way that they wanted. I was just like, this is what I'm looking for in a position, in a company, in a company culture. And I honestly think that was what sealed it for me. I have my own opinions and ideas about why that is so effective, but I'm curious what you think after you know, going through it and seeing that <laughs> yeah. in action. You know, why do you think that that was so effective where it is almost the reverse of what many of us think in so many different mm-hmm. ways, where it's like, nope, here's, here's what I'm looking for. And that almost every time is far more effective is what we've experienced. But why why do you 
observe that that is, at least for you? I, I, I think for me, it was because there's a lot of people out there that are interviewing totally different or looking for positions totally different than how I was looking for it. And just being upfront and honest with them, they were, I think, kind of not shocked, but pleasantly happy in that I was really talking from the heart with it. If I'm not mistaken, you did a really nice job on the compensation side too. Yeah, it was a considerable amount. It was, it was, it was enough to where it made the decision even more, I guess, easier to, to make. And my other company came back and, and wasn't even in the ballpark. So I was blown away, actually. I wasn't expecting it. So right there, I felt like I was valued for what I was bringing to the table right off the bat. Yeah, that's what's fascinating to me. You talked about being valued, obviously, mm-hmm. from the compensation side. Before you even came to the organization, it was mm-hmm. clear that there was going to be a variety of different types of value. And then mm-hmm. also, you talked about being heard. And I think what was interesting as you described that interview process or the interactions that you had beforehand, it was clear that they were hearing you even mm-hmm. before you ever worked there. Yeah, it definitely was. And just the way that the interviews were just down to earth, genuine conversations. And they they really wanted to hear my opinions on certain ways to handle accounts. And they seem genuinely interested in it. And they are. And it's been an awesome experience so far. That is so cool. That makes me really, really happy. Is there anything else that you wanted to say or hoped that you could say, but we haven't covered yet? I mean, the, the number one thing, if, if anyone's really thinking about doing this, is to, to give, it, give it a try and do it. You'd be pleasantly happy. Is it going to be a lot of work? Yeah. But to make changes, whether you're later in career, or early in your career journey, everything is going to take a little bit of work, but it's so worth it. Because even if I decide to make another career change after this, I have really set the foundation work up. I know... With everything that I've gone through, it set me up where if I want to pivot again, I could do it. Hey, something I want to let you know, the seemingly impossible career change stories that you hear on the podcast are actually from people just like you who are listening to this podcast and decided to take action and have a conversation with our team. If you want to implement what you heard and you want to completely change your life and your career, then let's figure out how we can help. So here's what I would suggest. Just take your phone right now, open it up, go to your email app and type me an email, scott at happentoyourcareer.com. Just put conversation in the subject line. And when you do that, I'll introduce you to the right person on our team and can have a conversation with us. We'll try and understand your goals and what you want to accomplish in your career, no matter where you're at. And we can figure out the very best way that we can help you and support you in your situation. So open that up right now and send me an email with conversation in the subject line to scott.happentoyourcareer.com. Here's a sneak peek into what we have coming up in store for you next week. Everyone you meet everywhere, their favorite question to ask a teenager is, so what do you want to do after high school? What do you, what kind of job do you want to go into? Like, what are your plans for the future? It's like, I don't know. I can barely remember what I had for breakfast this morning. How am I supposed to plan the next five years of my life? Everything we do here at HTYC can be boiled down to one simple statement. 
Some companies call this their mission, but we prefer to call it our why statement because it really is our why. Why we do everything we do. Why the company exists at all. All that and plenty more next week right here on Happen to Your Career. Make sure that you don't miss it. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically. Even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios. I'm out.